Cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Strike Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United, brought to you by one and only 30 South Soccer. We are live from a McDonough Golden Corral. I'm Jay Sam Jones from Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick from Dirty South Soccer. He's right here next to me. Say hey, Joe. What's going on, everybody? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's going on, y'all? How are we feeling after that? Um, I don't feel great. I don't feel great. Yeah, I don't know what to feel. It was kind of, it was, it was kind of boring. Would you say it was boring? I mean, like, the game, I, I, and I, and I, this is Seattle's fault, by the way. Everything that happened today that was bad was Seattle's fault. Um, they just came in and kind of bunkered, you know? Like, they didn't, it wasn't really a great soccer match, which is a shame considering, you know, the fact that this game was following the World Cup final. <laughs> um, you kind of would hope that you would have some better play, some better action, um, and basically what ended up happening with Seattle sat deep and tried to get one of our players sent off and tried to get penalties and things like that. Anyone that may have carried over from like the, the hour plus of post-game footage from the World Cup final, we probably lost them within the first <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes. I'm going to be totally honest like they here. They stayed for the commercials. They, right. they, they like went through the commercials and then they're like, Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> because commercials may have been more fun than the first like 10 minutes of this. I, I got some stick from Sounders fans on Twitter for saying this, but from... Like the first minute's like a 15-minute Sounders looked like they had no real interest in doing much of anything at all. Things started to kind of go back towards their way that they got a little bit more possession towards the end of the half. Uh, eventually it results in the handball penalty. And Joe Barr is, once again, we have to talk about Barr. I don't want to talk we about do. Barr. We, 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 we have, have to talk, talk about, about it. Barr. I mean, we're not going to talk about it that much because we want to try to focus on the game as much as we can. Our, and our we're thing, sick of it. Yeah, I, I think what we agree with is that we don't want to talk about VAR. Like, we want to talk about the game. Um, but, you know, it played a huge role in the game tonight in that it kind of, you know, gave the Sounders their only their only goal. Um, it gave them a penalty. It gave them just what they needed to, you know, to sit back and then just try to sit on that and preserve that for as long as they could. Um, and what's interesting enough is that Tata Martino postgame said that it was the right call. That, that he agrees that it was a handball. He agrees it was a handball, but he did want to make sure he pointed out that there are other instances yeah. where VAR could have been used, such as, I don't know, Chris McCann getting in like a full Nelson by a Sounders player in the box, and that just not being called and or reviewed, even though it was extremely clear from one where we were sitting, too. It was obviously clear on TV monitors. I don't know how we, we go through all of that and miss that, but we catch a handball that was iffy at best, I think, Right. From Escobar, from, from what we've seen anyway, the angle from our end wasn't super great. The angle on the TV monitor was real tiny. Um, but well, one, one reason they caught it was because Nico Ladero was like, you know what, I'm not going to take this corner. I'm not going to take this corner. I'm thirsty. I'm going to get a drink of water. Nico Ladero ingrained himself in, in a lot of people's minds tonight as... Man, he's on like Felipe level of just, yeah. dude, I don't People even want to see him. you no more anywhere around here. Good God, that dude was doing every single thing he could to um, shithouse, I, I think <laughs> is the phrase for it, um, as much as he could to, to just kind of mess things up as much as he could, to stall as much as he could, 
Uh, he was throwing the ball around when, like, he would pick up the dead ball and, like, throw it away from the United players to, to stall that much more. And that was the plan from the beginning. That was the plan from the beginning. Uh, Seattle he's, he's so very Uruguayan. So it, it makes so much sense that Nicoladero is, is Uruguayan. He, he so much reminds you of kind mm-hmm. of the, the, the dark arts, as they say, uh, <laughs> that Uruguay seems to be so proficient in. Um, but, yeah, and that, but that kind of translated all throughout Seattle's entire team in terms of them Constantly, they went down. Was it Ladero who went down, grabbing his face, and got LGP the uh, the yellow card for sure, yeah. yeah, he cut from. That's right, he did. Um, and there were a couple other of those incidents where they were going down, holding their face when they were getting pushed. You know, like in this area. So uh, it was laying there. It yeah. was laying there. It, it laying was there. very, very clear. It was very transparent. It's, it's very obvious, but it, it worked. It's an interesting strategy. In fact, I think it's effective in that they lay there motionless, like they're like. Something is seriously wrong. <laughs> yeah, and they forces got it the wrong. ref. It forces the ref to like take some sort of action, whether it's like stop the game or like do something. It's like because you don't know like what has happened. Yeah, uh, and it, they're not rolling around writhing and, and complaining to the officials so much. I mean, they do that afterwards, but like yeah, no. when the action actually happens, they're just like motionless on the ground. They go possum, as you would say here in Georgia. They just yeah, play dead. exactly. Play dead for a minute. Uh, but again, uh, credit to them. They came in with a very obvious game plan, and for the most part, it worked. Uh, Atlanta does get the one goal from Joseph at the very beginning of the half. Uh, Jeff Lernowitz said after the game that they were very focused coming out of the break on moving the ball quicker. He said the tendency is when teams sit back, like of course Seattle is doing like a bunch of teams we've seen against Atlanta have done, the tendency is to sit there to try and take your time because you do have space. You have time to just kind of sit there and think about it. Uh, But that doesn't keep the ball circulating, doesn't keep uh, the team circulating as right. well. So if you keep the ball moving quickly, you get Seattle moving quickly as well, making shifts around, and the back line gets a little more confused and allows a little more space for people like Joseph to go up yeah. and pick out a header. Yeah, and you said they did that better in the second half, but um, the first half, like, I don't know about you, but I just felt like it went by in a flash because nothing was happening. Like, it was like, it was just so boring. I remember at one point, Doug, Doug Roberson said, in the 18th minute of the game or something, I can tell you that 18 minutes have been played. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, true. We are in the 18th minute. I kind of like woke me up out of my, um, pre, my pre-match food coma. Yeah. No, so, I didn't, we didn't have jokes about it or anything like that. It was just there. Yeah. Just there. There was everyone, everyone was kind of like talking about how boring it was yeah. in the press box. And, um, yeah, it's a real shame. But, uh, you know, I, I did think there were some interesting things said post-game about the performance. Um the most interesting to me was that, you know, a lot of our fans have talked about, you know, finishing issues or scoring issues against these teams that come in and bunker. And there was a lot of talk about how teams have basically changed their tactics when they come into Mertesa and Stadium. There's a lot more bunkering that's happening this year. But what I thought was interesting was Tata Martino saying, we need another goal scorer other than Joseph, which I think is the first time he's admitted that publicly. I think it's something that a lot of, you know, journalists and fans and people have kind of did you Yeah, I went. I think that might be a little out of context. Okay. Um, he didn't say necessarily, I don't think, a goal score. I think he just said he wanted more people in the box getting into scoring positions, whether that's Miguel or, you know, Tito from the wing or for Ezekiel. To, we're going to talk about Ezekiel. We got some Ezekiel yeah, yeah, takes yeah. coming, yeah. I think. And I think Joe might be at the point where he will agree with me on this, uh, even though we've been pretty staunch defenders of that. Um, but I, I think... I'm wincing on that one, but go ahead. We'll get to what, it. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. In the, we'll get to it. Are, are we going to be okay? <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to fight in front of y'all like this. Not not intentionally, anyway. Um, but no, I think I think uh, the point was more 
there to getting more people in the box, maybe not adding another score per se, but just getting more people in score Right, positions. right, right. Well, I mean, I think the basic point is that they need more, even if not production, they need more like goal scoring threats. And I think that that's about what you're getting at with getting people in the box, is that they need more people that can potentially score a goal. Um, and right now, it just seems to be Joseph who's getting like into those great goal scoring op- op- uh, positions right in front of the goal. So. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. It's the first time you yeah. kind of mentioned that, but but overall, Tata was very calm post game. I mean, he was he was made, making a few jokes. Um, he even says specifically, he's like, "I'm calm about about this game, yeah. about the way we played. I thought we played well. Um, we didn't give Seattle much." So, and that's kind of how I feel too, and that's why I kind of feel like there's not a ton to talk to talk about in this game because it's like, you know, what can you do when a team comes in and plays like the way Seattle did? It's frustration. It's also a little bit of apathy, too. It's just kind of hard to really get too worked up about too much that happened out here today. Um, at the same time, though, it is getting more and more frustrating. It's kind of exponentially frustrating for us to keep uh, coming out at home against teams who we know we're obviously better than, we're obviously more talented than, and see us drop points. Um, it's it's not going to mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, I don't think, uh, but you never know. Two points at the end of the year could be could be huge for us, and it shouldn't be happening against a team that's tenth, ninth in the Western Conference and has been playing well all year. Uh, again, to their credit, though, they did exactly what Brian Spencer wanted them to do. Right. They, yeah. they stalled. They acted hurt a lot. They were very physical. There was a whole lot of pushing and shoving. Uh, there was one point where Joseph probably should have gotten a red card uh, for a little headbutt on Chad Marshall. I'm not sure how intentional it was. Uh, but, you know, very much Marshall getting up in Joseph's face and getting in his head for a little bit, uh, just not react the way he should have. Yeah, I mean, the reason teams come in and play the, the way Seattle did is because it works. You know, like it's it's an effective strategy. We saw what teams did not do this last year, and they came in, they tried to play the same way and got battered. So, um, it's tough, it, it, you know. <laughs> Why did... Why do you not support the troops? I don't support the troops because my good friend Scott Zoino likes to come on my HDAP and just convince me of doing terrible, terrible things. I think Harris asked me to <laughs> ask me to explain myself there, but I just want to blame Scott Zoino there. Harris and Scott are good friends over at ATL Soccer Chat. I like to pop in from time to time on their Facebook live chat and ask them why they don't support the troops. Totally joking. In front of totally their families. Joking. In right, front in front of their, of their families. families and sisters. I'm so sorry, Scott. Please don't hate me. All right, let's get, let's get back on topic. But, uh, you know, I think last year we saw teams come in and they didn't really change their strategy. And I don't know if it's because they were coming in to play a midweek game or they didn't, you know, they didn't have enough time to, to prep or something like that. But they would just come in and play the game that they normally would and they would end up losing by four goals, five goals, something like that. And I think that those those results have ramifications down the line, potentially. You know, like that could affect your next game or, or your next week or something like that. Um, and I think the teams have just realized it's much more effective to come in and try to get a point, even if you don't get a point and you get like a one nil loss, that's still like, you know, as a coach, you can you can make that a good thing to your team. You, you, you can kind of convey that as something positive, so. It did take us a long time to get into the locker room tonight. Yeah. Um, and once we got there, uh, ghost town, ghost town. Uh, a lot of the players had cleared out, completely cleared out. Um, and I don't know, I, I think that's maybe some frustration kind of coming to, coming to a head there that they obviously weren't 
super excited. Like after the Orlando win, we remember going in there and of course everyone was just hanging out and people were singing and everything like that. It was like this walking, into, it was like walking into a nightclub the, yeah. the, after the Orlando game. Right, there was like right. music going, there was like... This was the upside down version yeah, yeah. Of, of the nightclub. It was, it was spooky and eerie. Yeah. And it was frightening. Frightening. Yeah. For sure. Um, you just kind of... When did, when did they have the, the conversation with each other and, and sit down and say, you know, it's, I don't know, buckle down. Buckle down, lads. I'm wondering if that's happening. I'm wondering yeah. if, if that frustration has come to the point where they're, you know, expressing it openly. Yeah. Um, instead of, you know, doing whatever they have in there. Nice. They'll meet. They'll meet. I mean, when when they train, you know, it's not like they just show up and, and train for two hours outside and then leave. You know, when they go to the training facility, they're watching tape. They're meeting together. You know, they're they're talking these things out. So um, I'm sure they'll do that. I think there's just you know, feel more frustrated after a game like this. Sometimes you just need to get out of there. So yeah, you want to get into our questions? Let's do it. We have a lot. I think. Yeah, we have we have a good amount. We have a good amount here. Um, the first one comes from at. Nick underscore Landfear, he asked, uh, Sounders FC had no interest in playing soccer today. That was trash. Sounders FC, you are anti-football. Um, I would mostly agree, I think, I'd but agree. I, can't, I can't blame them. I'd agree, yeah, right, exactly. I'd agree, but I'd also say it's shown to be an effective strategy, you know, against Atlanta United. So, um, yeah, you can't, you can't, like, blame them for doing that, but it is really annoying, and especially as a fan, when you pay... You know, good money, and it's like, it's just a weird game. It's it's weird when the other team, like, doesn't really have a clear intent to win the game. You know, like, normally when you go to a sporting event, it's like, you know, both teams want to win. Um, they're, they were totally content. Teams are totally content to just sit back and try to try to preserve a nil-nil, really, um, or a draw or something like that. So, yeah, I agree with that sentiment. Yeah. Um, next question comes from Jacob Inman, who I think is in – watching this right now, at least I saw his name pop up at one point. Uh, he says, Barco plays like a holding midfielder on the left wing, uh, far too often passing backwards. He's not threatening and has to be better. I'm not sure he took a single shot this game. Once again, we couldn't finish and haven't won back-to-back games since April. That's a crazy stat, which I did not know about. Um, I assume that's correct, man. Wow. Which is that's pretty crazy. Um, worries me for playoffs. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to talk about Barco. Good stuff as always, Jacob. Um, and Jacob mentioned after this too, I think, that uh, he would be chastised a little bit for not being patient. Um, I'm getting a little impatient with it, to be totally honest. Um, uh, curveball, Jacob. I wish you didn't expect that to come. Uh, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, gosh, we try so much to be the voice of a reason on here, but it's, yeah. getting, well, it's getting frustrating so- to an extent, especially... Especially when you like look over at DC United and maybe see a certain right. left winger doing really cool things, like score right. the first goal in club history at their new stadium from outside the box and this gorgeous uh, outside the foot kind of thing. But, well, you know. what I will, what I will say about Emil Assad is that you know, first of all, we were we wanted to keep Emil Assad, and if we had, uh, we'd also have Ezekiel Barco. We would have Ezekiel Barco, Emil Assad, Almiron, and. Jalba probably along the front four. You probably have Assad and Almiron almost playing as central midfield because what happened was when they found out basically from, from Assad that they weren't going to be able to resign him for whatever reasons, which I think was mainly due to concerns with playing time since he knew they were bringing in Barco as well as he wanted to get paid like a VP, which I can totally understand. I think financially you can get kind of locked into like TAM contracts 
Um, when you become a DP, uh, you kind of have a lot more freedom to grow, to grow your salary basically uh, through your contract. So that was all part of it. Anyway, we got 500 grand for him, and we went out and bought Nagy. That was that was the replacement for for Assad. So, um, but to get to bring it back to Arco, I actually thought he was fine tonight. I mean, I know he doesn't score, and he, you're Jacob. You're right; he did not have a shot. Um, but he also created five chances, and no one else on the team created more than two. In fact, the only people who created two chances tonight were LGP and Parkhurst. So he really—I mean, he's—he's he's a creative—he's a creative player, and, and what he's going to do for a team is to, yeah, he's, he's going to drop a little deeper and try to combine, and a lot of that is not coming off. And I'm not saying he's been great, right? Like I'm not like he's been pretty mediocre, especially for when you. Consider his price tag, which I almost hate to mention because I don't think we should. Like, I don't man. think we should be. Yeah. We shouldn't be comparing him to this fifteen million dollar figure um, because that's not what transfers values. That's not where they come from. They're not based on player quality. Um, but basically, what I'm trying to say is that I think he had a decent game, a better game than a lot of people are giving, giving credit for. And probably I'm giving him credit for it. I didn't know he carried the bad new chances. Um, it, it changes my thought a little bit, but. I do want to make the point here, and I was thinking about this on the way up here today, um, thinking about what Assad did last night. Assad pretty much had no business taking the shot he did where he scored. It was kind of one of those things where he just decided split second, hey, I'm going to go for this and, and screw it. Let's see what happens. Yamil Assad is not as talented as Ezekiel Barco. Like, up front, not as good at the sport. But... <laughs> <laughs> The mindset of Yamil Assad has gotten to the point, especially in D.C., where it's been, you know what? Let's just do this. Yeah. Let's, let's just do it and be legends, man. You know, it's the fire Festival thing. Yamil Assad is the fire Festival with less disastrous results. I'll explain that better for later. Um, but if Ezekiel would just, I don't know, I, I keep waiting for him to have that breakthrough of, oh, I can do really incredible, amazing things with a ball at my feet. Let's make something happened from a perspective of, of not only creating chances, but also uh, getting shots on target, getting stuff on frame, and making things happen. Yeah. Um, and I think that's almost purely a mindset thing at this point. And I, I don't know what would change it. I don't know if you would even agree or if anyone else would really I mean, agree with me. I mean, I agree with you there. Like, mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. But I think that, that it all kind of plays into the fact that he's 19. 19. 19 kind of in a foreign country, in a, in a team with a lot of big personalities that he has to kind of fit in. Uh, I do think, I think we've agreed on this, that he kind of feels like he's a little bit too passive in that sense and that he wants to he wants to make sure that everybody else is happy and people, yeah. like, someone like Joseph isn't getting super angry because he's not passing him the ball or something like that. He's taking shots for himself. So, right. I, I think that, so I think there's just like some more of that to, to play. And I know that it's kind of like a cliche kind of argument, but I, I, I don't know. I just really think it's a true thing. On the age thing, though, I mean, you look at what Alfonso Davies did last night. At 17 true. years old, he true. turned around and, you know, just kicked the fool out of the thing. Yeah. And going in is incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, and even Andrew Carlton coming in at 17, I feel like he's got a little more of a brashness and more creative side to him. And I don't think he's as talented as Ezekiel Barco. Uh, maybe in a couple years, maybe. maybe. Uh, but, you know, it's just, you want more. You maybe don't expect more, but you want more. Yeah. I mean, I think we're in agreement that we haven't, like, he's not been the player that maybe we thought we were going to get at, have at this point in the season. Um, so I would totally agree there. But I think that he's like, I think he's making, you know, 
incremental stats, I think his most, like the thing he needs to improve on the most is just being more consistent throughout a game. I, he, I feel like he just gives the ball away stupidly far too often um, yeah. in, a, in a bad position as well. So like, and it's from something simple, a silly touch, or a, a poor touch or um, a foolishly ambitious pass or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where he needs to improve. I don't, you know, and it, maybe there is a tactical tweak that Top Dog can make that can kind of help him get closer to goal and get him in those goal scoring positions. But like on a night like tonight, he wasn't really in positions to shoot or score and affect the game in that way. Yeah. And I think like, you know, that's why he had five creative chances because he was kind of lurking around the edges trying to feed people. So mm -hmm. I think I, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues at play, but I, I, and I understand people's frustration with Barco for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but we got to think that we haven't seen our aggression. I don't think from everything like that. No, it's just no. maybe not the, the progression that we've, Wanted to see. It's interesting because we, we kind of saw he's kind of doing things a little bit differently than he was when he was in the three five two. I think he maybe yeah. felt a little more freedom to get forward and get in on goal, and he scored, you know, against Chicago Fire and then LA Galaxy. I think those were back to back games. He had two really nice goals. Uh, also had a really great goal against Orlando in Orlando. Um, so like he's shown a little bit of that, that ability to do that. Right. Um, well, but, even look back to the the preseason game. I think against Minnesota. Yeah, where he, you know, so like he ran, like ran the show, ran yeah. the show, and then cut in from the wing, and then whipped it in with his right foot, yeah, and curled it in the top corner on the far post. Um, more of that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. But like that's a super like, you know, it, it, everyone wants their their player to go out and score wonder goals every game, right? But, right. But the, the audacity, the mindset to go ahead and, and just kind of, I don't know, take a chance, shoot your shot, man, shoot your shot, Zeke, believe in yourself. Thinking yourself, Zeke? Yeah. All right. Uh, next question. Thomas Guin says, on a scale of one to trash, how past trash is Nico Ladero? Nico Ladero is not even secret trash. He is <laughs> yeah. actual trash. I, that dude was he would be, taking he, me off. He would be offended if you said he was secret trash. Like, I feel like he wants to be known as <laughs> yes. trash. Like, he Nobody doesn't like take pride in care. Yeah. 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 It's a couple of fans tweeting that status, dude. No one likes us. Yeah, that makes us cool. Uh, <laughs> no one wants uh, to be so my friend. Around. Yeah, we're awesome. Cool, guys. Awesome. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Ladero, Ladero is super annoying tonight. Yeah. It, it's, which is a shame because he's, totally he's also... Too. It's, it's a shame because he's really talented. Like, yeah. like great with the ball at his feet. And if Seattle played like a more attacking style, more like fun style, I think you would like kind of think differently of him. But like that, this is kind of what he's been tasked to do, which yeah. is which is be this. He was good asshole. at it. He was really good at it. Um, and of course, Seattle uh, very very hesitant to go attacking, uh, especially once they went down to ten men too. But I thought we might see our old Rui, Rui Diaz uh, tonight. Did not see him. Their big transfer. Yeah. Uh, from. Max, I think we probably would have seen him had they not gone down to 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Which could have, you know, you never know, could have changed things in a big yeah. way in this one. That's what yeah. we may have gotten lucky to get out without that coming back to us. Because Seattle was creating chances, um, even with 10 men at certain points. Um, not a ton, but at certain points they were able yeah. to, to. I mean, we were pushing so hard yeah. forward that, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you feel it here. Actual trash. Not secret trash. Actual. Uh, this next one is another one from at Nick underscore Lanfear on the Twitter tier. Uh, I'm so tired of these teams being scared to play against Atlanta United. I'm talking about Sounders FC. I think we covered that. Did we do this all winter? Yeah. Uh, but don't you, but don't worry, you're definitely not the only team. Yeah, nope, we've seen that a bunch. It's going to happen. 
Uh, Mike Trow says, uh, not good enough going forward. Does Barco need a rest? I don't think he needs a rest. I think, in fact, if anything, he needs more games. He just needs yeah. more experience with these players. That's what I think. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I don't think there's any really neat. I don't think anyone looks like they had tired legs tonight or anything like that. It's just a frustrating game. Plus, it's not like there's anyone on the bench that is a realistic option in for him, really. Like, I mean, yeah, at I least like that. living in a realistic world, like Carlton's not going to come in and start and play with Barco. Um, yeah. That's just not something that's going to happen, so I don't know who else you'd even put in there. Yeah, no, and that showed tonight, especially when we got down to the waning minutes of this game, and the only sub we made was Marty Williams. Yeah, uh, we just didn't have anyone who felt like could come in and make an attacking difference. And Tata was definitely which is concerning. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we were talking. I was talking to Jason Longshore before we came in to, to do the show. We, we kind of agreed about Romario. Um, it, it was kind of a shame when he came in. He was dropping. You know, he he was dropping into midfield too much. I, it felt like he would have been more effective, at least given Atlanta United a better chance to score, if he would have just stayed forward more and just pl- and played. You know, as a forward with Joseph, I think he was too. Con- he was more. He was concerned about you know leaving gaps in midfield and whatever, which is a you know totally fair concern. But I just think when you're up a man late in the game chasing a goal, you just have to take that risk. You have to take the risk of making just trusting your other your other uh, teammates, your midfielders, your defenders to fill those gaps. You know, yeah. so that's kind of it was kind of a shame. I didn't think he played like poorly for Mario, but mm-hmm. would have been nice to see him create a little more. Uh, Jacob Edmund kind of touches on this in his next question. It was nice to see Tata throw a second forward on the day. If we need to break teams down, it might be nice to throw Carlton on and see what happens with that as well. Omron needed some creative help today. Gressel with another great assist. There are some positives. Gressel continues to be good enough yeah. in midfield. Maybe not. Thought he made some more mistakes today. More mistakes, yeah, than uh, the, the Philadelphia performance. That yeah. was so good. Uh, there are more, more of him showing off that his touch isn't. Quite on the level of Darlington Magnet, but not many people in MLS are. Yeah. You know? But I think he also, for what he lacks in touch, he kind of adds in danger uh, yes. going forward. You know, like he's going like he's going to take more chances than Darlington ever would. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's just a trade-off in what you're getting from that position. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I would say, touching on Carlton, yeah. it's just like uh, our editor, Rob Ushery, always, you know, he's always complains about Carlton not getting in. And I kind of agree with him. It's frustrating never to see him because you feel like he can offer something. We've seen him come into games and look lively and sure. unpredictable. And sometimes I feel like that's what Atlanta United needs is an unpredictable player. Yeah. At least he's, the problem with him is he, he's kind of unpredictable for both teams. Like the opposition doesn't know what Carlton's going to do if he comes in, but neither do his teammates. So... Um, or at least that's how it seems. Because it seems like when Carlton comes into games, it's things get really frenetic really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> maybe that wasn't a chance Tata wanted to take at the time. Uh, I'm not sure. Did he make all of his subs, by the way? We had a bunch of questions, and this goes into uh, Matt Hanner uh, was asking, talking about making the subs late. And I'll be honest, I wasn't really paying attention to the substitution patterns that Tata was using. Um, I think you guys can comment in if you, if you know. I didn't... Did we, let's see, Romario came in. Romario came in, and nothing else. Was he the only sub? So maybe we didn't didn't use all the subs? That's interesting. I think think there are two left. Tata Tata really trusts his starters. Like, he really trusts, he's not, well, we've all seen Tata look scared shitless when he pulls Joseph off in a game. Sure. Uh, So he's never going to take Joseph off again unless they're winning by three. Yeah. Um, Almiron, he's obviously never going to take off. Jalba, yeah, I I just think he wants all those players on on the field, and I just don't know where. Carlton fits in there. 
I don't know if I necessarily agree with them, by the way, but that's just... Yeah, and two forwards did create a couple chances. I remember Mario had a big chance that he just kind of whipped in the box at one point. Um, that was really frustrating. Uh, he's, he's really good when the ball is, is at his feet and he can take a shot on goal, but sometimes when the ball's coming in toward him, he can kind of scuff it a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it's, oh, yeah, he did have that, he's not quite that one chance. chance, I don't yeah. think. Uh, not like in the same vein as Joseph is. Um, let's see. Um, this last one comes from Gabe J. Gonzalez, 25. It says, no questions. Just need a pet kiosk rant from Joe. Joe Patrick, take it away. That's on. That's on. I'm just doing the. That's it? Yeah. I don't have a rant. I don't have a rant. I'm going to go home and watch The Simpsons after this, all right? So let's, I, I just want to get this over with so, so we can go home and watch, over for a rant. watch The Simpsons. I don't have a rant. I don't have a rant. We've already, I've already ranted on non. I can't rant on VAR again. It's too much. Yeah, it's too round up. Listen to another VAR rant from the 400 people who have already chimed in on VAR and pro in general and everything like that. We can't talk about that for a second, though. Ooh, the game I was have... a freaking mess. Yeah. It was just an absolute cluster from a refereeing perspective in that it got extremely physical early. It wasn't quelled in any way. And it kind of got out of hand. Oh, yeah, I thought it was going to get a lot worse than it did. And we had already had, you know, just headbutting some dude and someone throwing a bottle from the stands. I hope you're suspended for life, by the way. Yeah. It was, well, it was the uh, Toledo show, the Baltimore Toledo show. Yeah. That's, that's, it, he kind of, he, yeah, he never, he never controlled the game. And it was frustrating. It was frustrating. But speaking of VAR, um, one thing I did want to mention, this might like unofficially lead to our uh, quote of the night that segment, because I don't know if we have another quote of the night. I can't, oh shit. I, now I can't remember if it was Chris McCann or Jeff Lorenowitz who said that VAR is changing the game. He said it's changing the way. He said guys don't want to celebrate after they score because they don't know what's going to happen. I thought that was very interesting because that's kind of when I you know, made my initial rant on VAR, it was, that was kind of my thing was that, you know, I, but it was as a fan, as a fan, it's like, you can't react until like minutes later after it happens when it's like, you know, solidified that it can't be taken away from you, this goal, because it can, and it just makes you look silly. And I think that that's what the players are worried about. They're worried about looking silly if they go celebrate a goal and then it later gets taken away. Which brings us to our next segment. <laughs> A segment we wanted to bring back for a while. We finally get to do it tonight because we talked to him tonight. Folks, let's go to McCants, McCorner. I'm going to get real close to the mic for this and see if it works. Hi, y'all. Welcome, welcome to McCants, McCorner. Today, today I thought I thought I might score, but I couldn't celebrate because of VAR. Because of VAR. VAR didn't. I just wanted to be like, I am Chris McCann. Hear me roar. And that's McCann's corner. Yeah, there we go. I couldn't. There I couldn't go. directly quote him in our in our postgame because so he sounds like a damn mouse. Golly. I, do you think he was like intentionally talking quieter today than normal? I mean, because he's no, normally quiet. Normal he's normally quiet, but I feel like today was even worse. It was like on a, on another level. Lower. He was just. He's always that way. It's, yeah. just, it's just Chris. That's just Chris. Um, any final thoughts before I go back to McCann's corner again? No. <laughs> I was okay. gonna say something, but I'm too scared. Of of what? Of nothing. Me? Nothing. No. 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 Okay. Joe. 
Do we have any final thoughts from the game? Um, I'm just, that's all I can say. Uh, it's not going to get any easier anytime soon. Uh, DC United come Saturday. We know exactly what they're about. We know exactly what's going to happen. We will get to see Wayne Rooney, I guess, here Saturday. Oh, that's yeah. Exciting-ish, I guess. Whatever. He's going to sit and... Is it a home game? I don't know. A lot. Yeah. We're here. Cool. We're here. We're here. We'll have a preview H dad up for you at some point. We will. We're working on a guest. Working on guests. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the, the preview H dad uh, for <laughs> um, Sounders, where we got to talk to Jeremiah O'Shan of Sounder at Heart, who was phenomenal. Uh, gave us a lot of really good insight for this game today. Uh, so we'll give you more of that to you. Um, and of course, the normal post game H dad as well after me draw with DC United nil nil because that game's just going to be a trash show. Get excited. Get excited. Sir Patrick. Do we have any Lerdowitz men? I didn't think about we that. We should. We don't. I mean, I have not thought of mine, but I can think of it right now if I stall long enough. If you stall long enough? Yeah. What would it take for you to stall long enough to be able to think about that? Would I need to just kind of talk for a little bit? Or would no, I've already to... thought of who it is. Okay, well then let's go ahead and get to our Lerdowitz man of the night. We need some sort of like a theme music or, yeah, for that. Yeah, like that. it's really, really really boring, like elevator music. Anyway, <laughs> right. Keep going. Um, Milo man, the nice Michael Parkhurst. I thought okay. he was really good. At one, he was good. At yeah. one point, we got a communications notice from the team staff that said he had completed like ninety three percent of his passes in the in Seattle's half. Which obviously, you know, he's a center back. Obviously, he's going to complete a lot of large percentage of his passes, but. Um, just thought he was really good, uh, covered, and he's had not so great nights the last couple of games. I, I thought he was um, against Dallas, against Philadelphia, were some of his more poor performances uh, of the season. So it was nice to see him bounce back like that. Um, and yeah, just thought he was good. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Parker was real soft. Parker's real. He's soft. always someone you can, you can go back to the well on him for yeah. Lorenzo Man of the Night because he, he's pretty, he's pretty reliable. You yeah. know, and you can always be like, you know. Oh, you don't watch soccer because you know you don't you don't respect the game. You got to watch what the center backs do. Yeah, so right. No, again, I think you mentioned that his passing is extremely crispy night. Yep, in many areas. Joe Patrick, I think I know our quote of the night. But do you want to go and give the folks our quote of the night? I don't know our quote of the night. Ah, our quote of the night comes to us from one Tata Martino, um, who said after the game yes. um, that. He wasn't so much upset. He was upset a little bit with the calls from Bar. However, he did say after the game that I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this because it was through a translator. It's kind of hard to. Yeah, I don't think uh, I remember the actual <laughs> quote. Uh, anyway, Tata said that he was real upset because someone called him and said they had dinner ready for him, but yet he was still waiting there for Bar to make up their mind and make a decision. There you go. And his dinner got cold. And his dinner got cold. <laughs> he also said he eats dinner at 4.30. Like, Tata. I thought in Argentina they ate what? at like 10 o'clock at night. I thought they ate super late. I don't know, man. But, like, I, I could see Tata, like, bunkering down at a show. And he's at 4.30 <laughs> for, like, an early bird special. Yeah. Big time. Big time. All right. That'll wrap it up here from Five Stripe Final and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, check us out on Dirty South Soccer and at Five Stripe Final as well. Speaking of Dirty South Soccer, Five Stripe, or not Five Stripe Final, but Dirty South Soccer, we just posted post an article Eric Remedy will wear number 11. Oh, yeah, we've seen that in the locker room. They yep. had his name played up and everything already. Yeah. Uh, so we were able to put It's going to be really awkward for him, though, because since he's come in late in the season, like, normally all the lockers are numerical, so you have, you know, they're all in a row. Yeah. And then, But since he's coming in late in the season, they're not going to shift everybody <laughs> around. So he's stuck by, like, Andrew yeah. Carlton and Andrew Wheeler on the Um 
We'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, like no Spanish speakers over in that little quadrant of the locker room. Right. So uh, <laughs> it might be a little weird for him. Interesting. We were talking with Payson Schwinn as well of the, of the MLS, and uh, we were a little upset. He wore the 11 to kind of slim down. We wanted him to wear like a wider number so he could look even more thick. Uh, we should have gone like a double zero. Yeah, that would have been the most appropriate like number no, for sure. Amazing. The thick fielder coming to town soon. I would expect to see him Saturday as well. I'm not sure in what capacity we'll talk about that more episodes. Alright, that'll do it. Shout out to Usagaka, shout out to Savage, shout out to Colin Morton, shout out to Evie Bridger, shout out to Lindsay Torbjörn, shout out to Stephen Malcolmus, shout out to Robin Pelknold, shout out to Big Boy, shout out to Andre, and shout out to LeVar Burton. I know you're listening. Shout out to Jorge Dealer, shout out to Justin Bellady, shout out to Boy Scouts of America, shout out to Kevin Egan, shout out to Bill House, shout out to Jillian Cyphus, shout out to Dan Dorgan, and shout out to Dustin Viper. Alright, that'll do it. Final score here from Atlanta. 1-1. See y'all soon. Bye, y'all. Bye.